where to start. <laughs> That's been the biggest thing for, for this getting ready for this conference and putting everything together, that's been the biggest thing. Boy, where do you start and then where do you end and how do you fit everything in there? Well, let me start with, first of all, welcoming you tonight and welcoming all those that will watch the video uh, as we will be putting this on our website for all of our church to participate in as they can. Uh, tonight, the theme all day has been the thirst for God, the desire for God. That's what we focused on in the pastor minute that I sent out today and in the, our radio broadcast this morning. Uh, Brother Van Horn was in there with us, Brother Corey and I, and, and we talked about that and we sort of went through this whole thing. And I am really excited about this week and that excitement is growing. So I would say that in a very real way, my desire is increasing rapidly into tonight. I, I, I was talking with the AP about 10 after 5 this afternoon, I said, why can't I, we just get everybody to come on, let's start. But I guess you've got to start on the time you announced. Uh, but we're here this evening to begin this journey, this journey of discovery, this journey of expansion in our spiritual life. And that's what this whole next three days, that's what it's about. It's going to help us to grow in our walk with God, to satisfy that desire for God that's inside of us, and to learn more about walking with God, about union with God. So if we're going to do that right, let's begin with prayer this evening. And let's just center our soul, focus our soul on God tonight, and then we'll go into the Scriptures for a few moments. Father, what a great joy it is to finally come this evening. And I'm so thankful to, to have this opportunity tonight. I know we're here as sort of a prelude, as we said, to what will happen in the next few days, and we'll have others joining us. I'm thankful for those who will watch the videos online and will take from it and learn from it. But Lord, it's just so exciting to be here tonight because my heart truly does desire to know you more and to have more of you. And I even know that even though today's been such a good day and a rich day and a fulfilling day, I even recognize that as a block of time goes by, my heart just begins to, to need you again. And I'm thankful for that. And Lord, we want to learn how to abide in your presence. And so help us right now, Lord. We want to just consecrate our hearts to you in these moments so that you would take it and use these, this time and draw us closer to you and help us to learn tonight. And uh, we'll thank you for that. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Tonight, uh, Corey is going to bring some slides up, and um, these are just to kind of help you along as, as I give you the devotion this evening. But we're going to be looking at Psalm 42, and just the, we're going to kind of go through the psalm a little bit, but it's not going to be very in-depth as far as like uh, digging out every nugget and gem that's there. But boy, it is a great psalm. Tonight we want to look at this idea of the struggle of the soul. And the great struggle of the soul for the believer is our desire for God. That's what is portrayed in this psalm. That's the great struggle. And I tell you, if you're going to be in a struggle, that's the one to be in. I want to be wrestling through this thing of finding more of God and, and receiving more of Him in my life. So the psalmist starts out here. These great verses, you could about quote them, I'm God. When shall I come and appear before God. Let me throw this one in there, because I was just looking over here in my notes a moment ago. Psalm 69, 32. 
your heart shall live that seeks God. Your heart will live. Those of you that seek God, that is how your heart will come alive. And uh, that, that kind of could be the theme of this week too. I want my heart to be alive. And, and not everything in life is life-giving, if that makes sense. But God is always life-giving. He's the author of life, the giver of life, the sustainer of life, the enricher of our life. So let me share this with you from Thomas Akempis, from the Imitation of Christ. He says, For if I alone should have all the world's comforts and could enjoy all its delights, it is certain that they could not long endure. Therefore, my soul, you cannot enjoy full consolation or perfect delight except in God, the consoler of the poor and the helper of the humble. Wait a little, my soul. Wait for the divine promise and you will have an abundance of all good things in heaven. If you desire these present things too much, you will lose those which are everlasting and heavenly. Use temporal things, but desire eternal things. You cannot be satisfied with any temporal goods because you were not created to enjoy them. Goodness. Doesn't that answer so many questions tonight about why people are unfulfilled? Because no matter what you get in this life, it will leave you ultimately empty if God is not at the center of it. So I went to Bible college in the years between 1998-2001, and it was at a good local church Baptist college, Baptist school, and I learned a lot of fundamental doctrine. I learned a lot of Baptist tradition. I learned a lot of sound theology. Then I went to seminary, and uh, I went to, to Liberty University through their, their seminary there, and I studied counseling. I studied religion. I learned some useful things. But I can tell you, and all that stuff was good, all that stuff was important, but I can tell you that in all that time, I don't remember learning much about how to care for my soul. I don't remember learning a whole lot about how to deal with the struggles of the soul. Now, I mean, it was there because if you're learning the Bible, if you're learning how to, to walk with God, at least on the level of Scripture and, you know, and, and practice of church and all that, there helps there, but how to apply that? And I believe tonight that a lot of church members, a lot of Christians, they've got a lot of information, but they haven't learned the practical application of that and how to really care for their soul. So that's what we're, that's what we're doing. If you think about it, the lack of focus on the soul seems pretty bad because if you consider the words of Jesus in Mark 8, 36, He said, For what shall it profit a man if he should gain the whole world and lose his own soul. You could, you could live in the finest places, have the biggest toys, and have the, the most servants, and all the while your soul just be dying and dying and dying. Let me, let me bring that to where we live. You can go to the best church in town, and by that I mean a good, sound, fundamental church. You can go to a church where they preach the Bible, where they do good Christian activity, and yet all the while inside, your soul is dying because there's something missing there. So that's what we're after this week. And this is what the psalmist is talking about. Let me say, the soul is extremely valuable in the eyes of God. Jesus lifts it up and compares it to being worth more than the entire world. 
And yet I think for most of us, our experience with soul talks probably stops somewhere around where will your soul spend eternity? Now that's a good question. That's a great question. That is a supreme question, but God's concerned about my soul now. He's concerned about every living soul now. But as a believer, he's really concerned about my soul maturing and about what's happening with me right now. So this week, we're going to focus a lot on caring for our soul, particularly in how to keep the soul with God, how to keep the soul in tune with God. And, and maybe more specifically, how does my soul follow, how my soul should follow Jesus, who is the shepherd and the bishop of my soul? Because he's leading me in a path. So how do I follow him? How should my soul delight in the Father through his love? And, and as I experience that in his beauty and in the gifts that he gives me day in and day out, and how is my soul then to be yielded to the Holy Spirit, who is the one that is bringing me to the truth and guiding me into all these things? So again, this evening we're talking about the struggle of the soul, the desire of God. Now the psalmist here in Psalm 42, he is in exile in some manner. And he's perhaps physically removed and has been physically removed from the house of God, from the worship at the house of God. But he is definitely in an emotional state of distress. In fact, this psalm is one that would, could be very helpful in, in people who struggle with depression and emotional, emotional struggles of all kind like that. And Because and, and, we, we, we read this psalm, and he's definitely emotionally strained. He's discouraged at best. He's depressed even we might say. So the struggle may be experienced outwardly in life, but it'll always start internally. Always it happens inside first, in the soul. So let's define soul. What is it we're talking about? Well, in this passage and throughout the Old Testament, the word soul means the essence of life. That's what it's talking about. It is literally the word, the same word that means breath. So the soul is the breath. It's the essence of life inside of us. In the New Testament, it's the word from which we get psyche. So it is, it is about all that's going on inside of here. I like that the soul is expressed through the body, but it is all going on inside of there. And uh, it's the life force of the body. It's, the soul is that which the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, infuses with life when we come to Christ. We're born again. The spirit that, is, that had died to sin is revived, and that spirit that is revived infuses our soul with this new life. But that soul still contends with that old flesh too. And there's where that struggle comes in many times. So let's look at these things. First of all, the desire of the soul in this psalm. As the heart panteth after the water brook, so panteth my soul after the old God. My soul longs for God and thirsts for God. Now what, what we need to understand here is simply the soul longs for more of God. And that is every soul, not just the believer's soul. Every soul of every man or woman out there longs for God. That's what they're after. I shared this with you the other day, but you all know this famous um, statement by Augustine. He said in his confessions, he's writing to God, he says, you have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our heart is restless until it rests in you. You know, that is a message the world needs to hear today. I, I know many will not hear it, 
their heart is hardened, their ear is deaf to it. But, as Brother Van Horn would tell you, and, and, and the reason he searches and fishes so much is because you never know when you're going to find the soul that's ready for that message. And so we need to be ready to give it. So think about the deep thirst of the soul. When, if you think about that, that is, we talk about fundamental truths. We're fundamentalists. Well, here's a fundamental truth that we need to know. The soul longs for God. And that'll shape and everything we do, that'll help frame our ministry, our evangelism, our, our care for people, our relationships we build with people. It gives context to life. Why is everybody out there searching for meaning and fulfillment? Why is everybody out there in the world, in your family, and your co-workers, they're chasing pleasure, they're after looking for acceptance? Why do men surrender their soul to all kinds of things? Sinful things? Wicked things? And you think about it, the theme of Ecclesiastes is the vanity of trying to fill up the soul with everything under the sun. That book is tremendous in showing us that there is nothing else besides God that will satisfy the soul of man. He writes in the first chapter, Is there anything whereof it may be said, See, this is new? It hath been already of old time which was before us. There is no remembrance of former things. Neither shall there be any remembrance of things that are to come with those that shall come after. See, the, the, the heart's always looking for that next big thing. It's always searching for something more. So we forget what was, and we'll soon forget this. I'm looking for iPhone 59 now. Why? Because he says, I, the preacher, was king over Israel and Jerusalem, and I gave my heart to seek and to search out by wisdom concerning all things that are done under heaven. This sore travail hath God given to the sons of men to be exercised therewith. I have seen all the works that are done under the sun, and behold, all is vanity and vexation of spirit. He said, it's just, it's, it's, it's pointless. And we know the end of that story. He comes to the end and says, remember now thy creator in the days of thy youth. That's the answer. But this is the reason why most everyone you meet seems desperate. Is that not true? Let me, let, me, let me bring it home now. Do we not see that in our church? Do you not see that in church families, church, churches, I mean, other church families, other church congregations? There are a lot of people living desperately, even believers. Why? Because they have been... They have been led into thinking that they can fulfill, get fulfillment here, they'll, they get accepted here, if I'm appreciated over here. And all along, what their heart is looking for, their soul is longing for, is in God. And when you find it there, you don't have to go searching everywhere else anymore. So they long for something deep down. I mean, we should even ask ourselves, what is it that I'm looking for? What is it I'm looking for when I go to this thing? What is it that I'm looking for when I choose this leisure activity? Now, I'm not against leisure activities. I'm not against a little bit of amusement, although there's this running thing with me that I don't believe amusement is possible. Amusement, ha, 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 if that's your definition, okay. But what are we really looking for when we go to those things? Now, if we're just looking for a little bit of rest, you know, we can enjoy things in life. God gives us that. But first, our soul must be found in Christ and resting in Him. And then these things are, are wonderful. These things have life to them. They're life-giving even. 
Watch the desperate search around us, the search for approval, the search for acceptance, the search for significance. Behind all that smokescreen is that desire of the soul to be known and loved by God. That's it. Now, what's, what's easy, and you, you, you said this in the Sunday morning message, Brother Van Orn, it's easy to look at somebody and say, you see that, and you see that, and you see that, I'll tell you what's wrong with them. Those are wicked, ungodly people, and they may well be. Yes, they probably are, <laughs> but that's not what we've got to focus on. We need to focus on what they're longing for, which is to be loved. Loved by God. And that's what I need. Every day of my life, that's what I want. I want to experience that, and God offers it to us. I mean, how would this change the way we look at the world if we understood what was going on beneath the surface? How would it change the way we treat one another? How would it affect the way you treat your own heart if you understand that my soul desires more of God? That's what I'm after. So, it's good for us to recognize the thirst because thirst makes us drink. Now, I think about what Jesus said in John 7, 37, when he stood up, it says, at the great day of the feast, he stood and cried, saying, if any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. And that just makes me think of all the things Jesus offered in the Gospels. He offered freedom. He offered peace. He offered joy. He offered healing. So I'm, I'm thinking that's what people are thirsty for. And again, all that comes back to the love of God. So as we become more soul aware in our lives, it's good for us to learn what really helps the soul find rest and refreshment. And it'll be those things that Jesus offers us every day. And so that's why I've got to learn how to go to Jesus every day. And sometimes go to Jesus multiple times a day. Matter of fact, let's just say it that way. I've got to learn how to go to Jesus multiple times a day to get what my soul needs. Let me give you the second thing, the disturbance of the soul. He says in, in verse number uh, five, why art thou cast down, O my soul? Why art thou disquieted in me? So this psalm is a look into the conflict that happens in each one of us. The soul is a most resilient being. It really is because it comes from the very breath of God. You know, God breathed into the nostrils and the breath of life and man became a living soul. So it's a very resilient thing, the soul is, and yet in so many ways, because of our fallen nature, our soul is very fragile, and it is easily cast down. None of us in here uh, have to be told what that means. We've all experienced it, and we're going to face it. This is the struggle. So think of all the things that come against our soul. There are several mentioned in this psalm, and I'm just going to highlight them as we move along here toward prayer, but just, just taking note of the question, what, 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 where the, what this, this psalmist gets thrown at him, he says it in verse 3 and he says it again in verse number 10, the question that gets thrown at him is, where is thy God? Where is thy God? Now, I don't know the last time that someone, a person physically said to me, well, where is your God in all this? But I do know this, life throws that question at me a lot. And he's, he's responding to this because as he is facing whatever it is that he's struggling with, not only is he struggling with that situation, but then he gets this thrown on top of it. Oh, yeah? So where's God now? Well, Job lived through that, didn't he? Jesus went through that on the cross. Ah, yeah, you're the son of God, right? Well, what's the deal? So that this, is just, this is just part of being a Christian, of following Jesus. We're going to have struggles. 
In what ways does life, and more to the point, the world, the flesh, and the devil, in what ways is that question hurled against us? Well, I mean, if you just look at verse 3, you'll see it comes in the way of sorrows. My tears. We all have those. We all face sorrow. Verse 4, it comes in the way of our losses. You know, I think when I read verse 4, there's a sadness to that because he's looking back and he's saying, you know, man, there was a time when I went with the multitude to the house of God and we sang and we praised the Lord and, boy, I sure missed that. He had lost something, whether it's temporarily or forever. Losses come in our life and they, they can throw that question to our soul. Oh, yeah, well, where's God now? In our overwhelming burdens, verse 7, he talks about... Um, how that the deep calleth unto deep at the noise of thy water spouts, all thy waves and billows are gone over me. And that, that verse intrigues me. And there's much more depth and study to do to that verse. But Wesley thought of that verse as speaking to how one affliction is followed by another, by another, by another. Just the waves of trouble that come. And then I just think about the assaults that come on our soul. Verse number 9, you know, he, he mentions his enemies. And you think about how you get the, the temptations that come, the accusations that come. You know, Peter talked about those fleshly lusts which war against the soul. We have to contend with those things. So, again, the question is hurled at us. Where is thy God? And I offer this to you. This is the reason that we need to pursue God to find that place of solitude. We'll talk about that this week. That's where that meditation and spending time just dwelling on God, to break away from the world, I know this morning, just this morning in my reading and prayer time, I, I was brought to this prayer. And I guess maybe it's more of a praise, but Lord, you really are our hiding place. Amen. And that encouraged my heart just to be brought to that thought because I need that. So let me give you the final thing then. This is really the why of this conference. We've talked about the desire of the soul and the disturbance of the soul, but then... In this psalm, we have the directing of the soul. And this is so important. You know who the great manager of your soul is? It is you. God has entrusted you with the power to guide your soul. Now, you can't do it alone. But thank God for Jesus and the Holy Spirit and the Word of God and the brethren. All those, all those are essential, but God has entrusted you with the ability to guide your soul. He says to himself, why art thou cast down, O, o my soul? Hope thou in God. And I love this, this, this phrase. Look at this. For I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. It's like he's saying, I'm not there yet, but I'm going to be. I'm going to praise him. It's coming. So why are you cast down? So you see what he's doing is he's taking his soul by the scruff of the neck. And he's saying, hey, 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 hey. It's time to get out of this now. This ain't where we live. We, we're, we're, we've got something better than this. <laughs> I, I think that, that when you first read that verse, and I don't know if maybe the first time you read it in verse 5, it kind of has the sort of the discouragement. But I tell you, by the time you read it in verse 11, it just drips with hope. Like, I'm coming up out of this thing. And, and you watch throughout this psalm how that he keeps bringing his soul back to God. That's what we have to do. Just keep bringing the soul back to God. Now, how often are you going to have to do this? Well, 
You're gonna, it's going to have to be as continuous as the disturbances are. Every time you get hit, every time you find yourself kind of shaking it off and saying, oh, man, where am I? How did I get here? You're going to have to bring your soul back to God. Remember, we're talking about the mystery of godliness. And godliness is about our attitude toward God. We either live life and view life with God or without God. Think about it, moment by moment. If you were to replay today, how much did you walk through today with God versus how much you walked through today without God? And I know God was with you all the time. He never forsakes us, never leaves us. But I'm talking about was our soul in line with Him and attuned to Him to where we were doing life with God today? You know? And that's what He's calling us to. Now, I think about the Apostle Paul, 2 Corinthians chapter 11. I want to make a point here. Uh, he says in 2 Corinthians 11, verse 27 through 30, he says, he's talking about perseverance in trouble and trial, in weariness and painfulness and watchings often, in hunger and thirst and fastings often, in cold and nakedness, beside those things that are without, that which cometh upon me daily the care of all the churches. Who is weak and I am not weak? Who is offended and I burn not? But look at this last statement. If I must needs glory, I will glory of the things which concern mine infirmities. I, I, I got to be honest with you. I don't think I got that a few years ago. I mean, I, I could cheer it. Amen, Paul. But I'll tell you something. I'm beginning to learn something about what Paul meant. There is a glory in our infirmities. And do you know why tonight? That's what I want to close with. It is what I opened with. God is trying to shape us into Jesus. And there is no path to that without suffering. You say, preacher, everybody suffers. They sure do, but not everybody suffers with Jesus. <laughs> Paul considered his tribulations and disturbances as points of strength. Now, how did he do that? We need a mindset. We need a theology which allows us to embrace suffering and see it for what it is intended to be, our completion, our maturing. So I want to take you back to Kempis one more time. He says, so long as we live in this world, we cannot escape suffering and temptation. Whence it is written in Job, the life of man upon earth is a warfare. Now that's a paraphrase, but what a statement that is. How, how much good would it do if we just go ahead and accept the fact that the life of man on earth is a warfare? No one is so perfect or so holy, but he is sometimes tempted. Man cannot be altogether free from temptation, yet temptations, though troublesome and severe, are often useful to a man. For in them he is humbled, purified, and instructed. In trials, opportunity for merit and virtue is made more manifest. When a man is not troubled, it's not hard for him to be fervent and devout. But if he bears up patiently in time of, of, of adversity, there is hope for great progress. There used to be a belief among the faithful that the trials and testings of life were all part of God's plan to conform us to the image of Christ. You know, we often pray God would move every mountain, don't we? Maybe we should do more praying that God would give us strength to cross the mountains. Because I think sometimes that's what He wants us to do. So, in this thought, the psalmist directs his soul back to God various ways. 
Verse 5 and 6, he talks about, therefore will I remember. That's that meditation. That's that dwelling on the works and ways of God. In verse 7, he talks about deep calleth unto deep. And I said there's different things we can draw from that, I think. But to me, that brings an immediate vision of prayer, of the truest kind of prayer where my deep heart is seeking God's deep heart. And that's how he's bringing his soul back to God. Verse 8, it's through worship. He said, in the night his song shall be with me in my prayer unto the God of my life. Verse 9, I will say unto God. He's learning the secrets of prayer, that prayer is about actually literally talking with God, communion with God, not just me throwing words at God, but I'm actually talking with God. So you remember the scripture tells us that David responded to the deep crisis of his own soul in 1 Samuel 30 and verse 6. David was greatly distressed for the people spake of stoning him because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and for his daughters. But David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. So let me give you this and we'll pray. Henry Nouwen said, A spiritual life without discipline is impossible. Discipline is the other side of discipleship. The practice of a spiritual discipline makes us more sensitive to the still, small voice of God. Through the practice of a spiritual discipline, we become attentive to that small voice and willing to respond when we hear it. So folks, this is why this week we're going to focus on some spiritual disciplines that will help us to tune into God. Prayer. Not just nominal prayer, but real prayer. Fasting. What does that really mean? Meditation. Actually setting and pondering and thinking on the works of God and the ways of God. Boy, that'll do your heart some good right there. And, and I know, I know these are things that you men are practicing right now, but don't you want to know it more? Don't you want to go deeper with it? That's what I'm after. Because those times that we've found it, those times where we've experienced this, have been the richest times of our life whether it was the birth of our children or our quiet moments on our porches in the morning or at night, those moments are the sweetest, deepest moments. Somehow we found our way tuned into God. And I don't know how to get to 24-7 that way. I don't even know how useful I would be if it was that way 24-7. But I know there's more of God out there for me. And that's what we pray for tonight. Father, grant, Lord, that we might have the heart to hear your voice. Help us to take what we do know and direct our hearts towards you in these days we have together. Meet us there by your grace and in your patience, I pray. Amen. I want to do something tonight. I, I put this on a slide, and this is sort of instructive, but it sort of prepares us for the, uh, the sessions and the services this week. I want us to pray together from Psalm 73, the last few verses. I quoted that yesterday. You quoted that in preaching yesterday. I don't even know if you, I guess you caught that we both were share, using that same passage yesterday. But I want to, what I want to do is I want to demonstrate this to you, how that we can pray through the Psalms. And again, some of this stuff... Some of you will have, you've got it, you do it, you're already practicing this, and others this will be new. But it'll be a good thing to take away from this week as, as kind of a prayer guide. And look, I, I understand that 
you know, if you're, you're, you're watching this video or you're here with us in the, the services, it might seem a little awkward to do some of this here, but I want you to understand the purpose behind it is not uh, us just going through a ritual or a performance. It's, it's to, to see a practice that we can take from here and actually use in our prayer closets. That's what I'm after. I tell you, Brother Van Horn has shared with me the, how much the Psalms have meant to him over the last few years, but I, I tell you, they just light up your prayer life. I have, I have not been able to get away from Psalm 70, let God be magnified. That has been just a brief, short prayer that I have offered just sitting here earlier. Let God be magnified. I mean, and I know it sounds like I'm talking about God, but I'm saying it to God. I'm saying, in other words, Lord, my purpose here tonight is that you are magnified. But I'm just using the words of the psalm. Let God be magnified. Let God be magnified. And that's what we want to practice. So if you would, look at, look at this. It'll be on the screen, but I just want to show you how, you how we can pray through these last verses of Psalm 73. It's verse 25 and 28. And after we do this, I'm gonna, we're just going to take some time and pray individually and, and close out. Whom have I in heaven but thee? And there is none upon earth that I desire beside thee. You alone... <laughs> are my desire, Lord. That's all. That's all I want. More of you. More of you is what I need. It's what I want. My flesh and my heart faileth. But God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. God, I cannot endure. I cannot stay. I cannot abide. I need your strength. Lord, I don't have the answers in myself. And I love the power of just calling on Jesus this way. Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus. <laughs> what a wonderful name. Lord, what a powerful name. What a comforting name. Lord Jesus, we ask for your grace. It is your, your, your grace is your favor and your strength, your endowment upon our life. Cover our weaknesses, Lord, by your grace. For lo, they that are far from thee shall perish. Thou hast destroyed all them that go a-whoring from thee. And I think, Lord, that was me. That was me. Such were some of you. But, O oh Lord, I thank you tonight that by your mercy I am not far from you. Oh Lord, you have brought me into your kingdom. You have brought me into your family. I am Yours. Father, I'm your son. Lord Jesus, I am your brother. I am a sheep in your fold. But it is good for me to draw near to God. I have put my trust in the Lord God that I may declare all thy works. And like Peter, I have to say, Lord, and I know he said it kind of in a wrong way at the wrong time, but I think his heart was in the right place. Lord, it is good to be in this place. It's good to be close to you. It is good for us to draw near to you. God, all that we need, we find in you. Evermore give us this bread. <laughs> to whom shall we go? For thou hast the words of eternal life. Yea, all in thee, all I need in thee I find. I thank you, Lord, for that. So as we pray tonight, 
We bring our thoughts to God. And as you pray and as thoughts come to your heart, when you know that God is listening, you share those thoughts with Him. Father, we share our heart and our thoughts with you tonight. God, help us to draw near. And Lord, as the Proverbs, Proverbs 16.3 reminds us, and I think about praying over this week, this conference, we are to commit all our works to you, and our thoughts will be established. And so, Lord, we commit to you every effort that we will make this week just to draw near to you. Because our soul's great desire is to know you more, to have more of you. And, Lord, we can't do that alone, so we commit our works to you. I pray tonight, Lord, for each of us that our hearts will be consecrated this week. God, may each day of this conference, may this be our, our greatest focus, our greatest request, that, that our hearts would just be consecrated to you that our days will be filled with the presence of God. And Lord, I know that, it, that it's not a place, perhaps, that at least in the same fashion that we could abide always. I know that there'll be duties that call us forth. There's labor that we have to attend to. But if we could learn something more of abiding in you, Lord Jesus, if we could learn something more of being filled with the, the Holy Spirit, if we could learn something more about just keeping our heart stayed on you and, 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 and keeping ourselves in the love of God, then even our daily labors would become sweeter. And that's the desire that we have tonight, Lord. I pray for clarity and for power for each of those that will teach and instruct this week. Lord, I thank you for Brother Van Horn who was with us yesterday and tonight and was able to come early and be a part of these days, and he's been already such an encouragement, uh, both in the services and in just our time together. I pray that you would give him great clarity as he thinks through. I, I can only imagine, Holy Spirit, that these men have, <laughs> these men have uh, gone through a similar thing that I've been going through. I have just wrestled about what are the things we just can't say it all. And I don't know where to stop, and I don't know how to put the plug in it. But Lord, give us clarity. Help us to know. Guide our words. May the words of our mouth and the meditation of our heart be acceptable to Thee, O Lord. Give power to these men. For Brother Charlie, as he comes, as he travels in the morning to come join us, give him safety on the road and give him clarity in his, his presentation. Give him power. For Brother Corey, who will teach us about the, the role of music, and he's going to do a wonderful job with that. But God, he'll need you to help him. And Lord, we also tonight want to pray against the enemy. Yes. We have an enemy. And I have, I have uh, been much aware. Lord Jesus, you are the shepherd. Shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. We do not serve a hireling. We do not serve one who will abandon us or forsake us. We do not serve one who ignores us and who leaves us to fend for ourselves. But we tonight, Lord Jesus, in your name, we would declare this place a sacred place. These hours, sacred hours. 
And God, you have commanded us in the authority that you've given to resist the devil and that he would flee. And so we resist Satan tonight. We resist the enemy, the demons. We resist the evil spirits. We resist all of that tonight in your name and by the blood of Jesus, which is our victory. We look forward to what you're going to accomplish, not only in our times here, but what it will produce in our church and in our families and ultimately in this community as the kingdom is advanced in these, what we believe, last days. So we love you tonight and offer this all to you, Father, through the Spirit, in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.